Genre. to Spider-Man Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze and celebrate the movie Spider-Man one staring at an arm wound minute at a time. I'm Zach Luna. I'm Scott Corelli. And I'm Melinda Catherine Gross. Welcome, Melinda. Hello. Oh, I'm so stoked to be here, you guys. We're stoked for you to be here. Uh, Thanks for coming on. Uh, Oh, of course. (laughs) Today we're talking about minute number 89, which begins with Peter saying, Oh, I, I stepped off a curb and I got clipped by one of those bike messengers. So, and just, ends just making up a terrible story. Yeah, it's just the worst. Peter, just really just lying just to lying his aunt's his face. Butt off and ends with what Norman. did that poor old woman ever do to him? <laughs> and yet, surprisingly, better than a lot of his comic book watchers. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Fair enough. <laughs> and it ends, of course, with Norman in front of the elevator saying, "I gotta go." Uh, when Harry grabs his arm. So let's start with the lie. I guess that's the best place to jump in. Um. Why is this his go-to uh, in this moment? That a, a he's just really bad at improv. Oh I sure, think. yeah. <laughs> it's like a bike messenger. It was like, also like the most New York excuse they could have possibly found. Right, yes. like a script yeah. writing POV. Just like wow, that was first from the hat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, what's funny is uh, in the kept draft when uh, he's making up a lie about uh, this this wound uh, to Norman, um, he says uh, he, bro- he says broken glass landed on it. And MJ oh. goes, you landed on it? He goes, yeah, I'm an idiot. I was trying to get a picture of that thing in the sky, and I stepped right in front of a taxi. It must have knocked me 20 feet. <laughs> what? Wow. That is some <laughs> commitment to the bit. convoluted, <laughs> <laughs> buddy. Yeah, boy. Hey. Yeah, I, I literally got hit by a car. <laughs> like... <laughs> That's not how you get out of this situation. Yeah. Oh my goodness! I, with, with a scratch, with like a yeah. weird scratch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I mean, it, it would to the degree that like I mean, because I I grew up landlocked in Colorado. When I first saw this movie, I had no idea what a bike messenger was, and so for you know that afternoon after seeing this movie, I guess I just assumed a bike messenger was like a sharp thing, like just like a. I don't know. <laughs> okay, but I have a follow-up yeah, question because yeah. I also grew up in Colorado and I knew exactly what a bike messenger well, was. You must, maybe maybe you like lived in bigger cities than I did at that point. You know? <laughs> maybe. I, I don't know. Up, I lived like, on a mountain, dude. A little satellite of Boulder County uh, where we did not have bike messengers in the big city uh what what even is that uh you know what's funny about the bike messenger line mm-hmm. and especially the the bit that the fact that it's not in the david kep draft who of course gets sole screenwriting credit on this movie yeah what, what's really interesting is that david kep would go on to make a movie about bike messengers oh my God. that was him the premium yeah, rush that's him. oh my yeah God. yeah premium rush yeah oh, oh my goodness 
Joseph well, I learned Golden Rabbit. Today. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's so insane. weird. Yeah, they're yeah. a really good fixation. He loves if there's two things David Kep loves, they're helicopters and bike messengers. That's all I Well, but uh, that but that's the thing is yeah. that he 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 doesn't have the bike messenger line in his script. Oh, oh, you're right. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Yeah. So huh. it's weird. That is weird. weird. You would of all people um, he would have included it. Yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> Him of all people. Um, so yeah, this this Norman stare down is like it it is. There is so much facial acting oh, happening. Man, oh man, I want to I want to talk to Willem Dafoe and be like, okay, <laughs> you have to tell me what exactly you are having Norman think about in this scene <laughs> that is making these facial expressions happen. I want to, I walk me through the process. Like dance. I want to know everything. Yeah. It is a, a dance of facial muscles, muscle muscles and all of that. I Melinda, I do want to clarify that. Like I learned what a bike messenger was that, that very <laughs> same weekend. It wasn't oh, like I exciting. didn't know until like a year ago or whatever. Like I figured it out cause I asked, but like just oh, on the fair. day. I didn't know yeah. what a bike well, you know what? I think that that's really, really responsible of you to have taken your own hands. You know, <laughs> your education is always in your uh, under key. your own control. Um, you but, know, that's what Spider-Man teaches us in many ways. The intricacies of big city deliveries. Um, but yes, uh, the the facial expressions are in, impeccable. And uh, oh my god, they're so good. They're just the best. Just, I, I, what is, he must have written down like an internal monologue or something of this moment. Had to, to have. Because uh, it is so specific and just the little tilts of the head and the looks everywhere. I, I don't know. It's just fun. And like the watch. little, the little swallows. And then there's like a point where he starts kind of like moving his jaw back and forth. Yeah. <laughs> like he's going nuts over here. And then just like he almost looks like he looks like a cartoon who's looking at like 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 it's almost like he's looking at his arm like he's just imagining like a, like a roast duck or something you know <laughs> yeah like it's in a like, cartoon oh my they're on a deserted island and there's two people looking at each other and then the one guy's face starts to look like a hot dog or whatever it's like that like mm -hmm. he's looking at him like oh, yeah. he's full animation at that point in yeah. time just yes cartoons for days. Rubber Absolutely, face. <laughs> rubber face. Um, so in the in the in the shooting script, when Aunt May sees the wound, uh, she actually says, "What in the name of a heavenly glory?" Uh, which I mean, that I sounds like a right. lot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like that a lot. And then she says, "You've got to be more careful out there. This city has a lunatic on every corner." Oh, that's good. Ooh, I kind of like that yeah. one. Ooh, lunatic yeah. on every corner. I yeah, just in sexy turn of phrase, yeah. No. More Aunt May yeah. lines, more Aunt May lines. Yeah. That's what I say. Just give her things to do. Give her, yeah. get her involved overall. Um, and it, and I think that is probably a more reasonable reaction than like, oh dear, that looks awful. Let me go get the first aid kit or something like that. Like we should focus more on how this actually happened. Like she, she moves right into like problem solving mode, and uh, Norman's the only one. He's like, wait, how? Wait how did mm -hmm. this happen because it's not like a bruise or a scrape it's like somebody ran by you with a straight razor and then ran off laughing maniacally or something it's like a just <laughs> right. Ooh, dark Sorry. real dark <laughs> i mean that's kind of what happened a for real bit. yeah there's just a there's a flying razor instead of in your hand yeah it is, it is a gross image now that i think about it it's just like <laughs> 
Just, it's all good. I just imagine, I mean, like, there's got to be like a clown at that point. You got to really paint a word picture, I think. That like, if you're just going to run by a guy and razor him, why, oh, why not? Well, I mean, why not wear a mask? Which, yeah, of course, is tetanus. what happens. Oh, boy. Yeah, it's going to get infected. Oh, oh. Um, um, also, also, I I want to I, I want to point out that Aunt May uh, brings up saying grace again, uh, which Aww. I just love how determined she is to say grace. Yeah, uh, you know, like we're we're gonna do things properly. Like we're gonna say grace. We're not gonna eat before we say grace. <laughs> you know, even while she's fetching a uh, first aid kit for the the wound on the, her kid's yeah, arm, yeah, the open wound at the Thanksgiving table. No, um, we're going to do it properly, even though we have to take this detour. It's the boy's first time in this apartment. We got to do the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Which I love. Good. It's so motherhead. <clears throat> so there's another uh, additional bit in the shooting draft. Uh, after when, uh, when, when Norman asked, how did you say that happened? Uh-huh. And Peter says, bike messenger. And then says, knock me down. But in between those two lines... His spider sense goes off. Everything freezes to a halt. And he starts looking around the room trying to figure out wh- wh- what is making a spider sense go off. And so Ooh. he's just looking at every single person in the room Ooh. and just like, what is happening? Like, nothing's happening. Why is this going off? And then time catches back up again. And then he says, knock me down. Huh. Huh. Yeah. Ooh, I like that. It's kind of fun. Yeah. Well, I do wonder yeah. what that would look like to everybody else at the table. Because like when time <laughs> slows down for you and then you spend that whole millisecond looking around, would it just look to me like Peter all of a sudden like spazzed out and just like <laughs> looked around in six different directions in like half a second? And I was like, knock me down like a like a glitching robot or something. <laughs> yeah, maybe it just looks like he has Tourette's or something. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe yeah. it's less about physically looking and just like perceiving threats that like. Time slows right. down for us as the observer, as the omnipotent observer, and it's just like his thought process. I don't know. Um, I, that's a cool detail, though. I feel like we we only have like two huge spider sense moments in this film, and so it might be nice mm-hmm. to sort of do the um, set up, Rule establish three. three beat with it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Is there another one that's that I good. that I'm missing? Because we have like the fight spider sense. And then we have the, the big one at the end, but is there another one in the middle? Well, there's the, there, yeah, there's a little bit in the, in the apartment building when he uh, is like sensing the, uh, the, the razor pumpkin bombs. Ooh, oh yeah. 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 In the burning yeah. building. That's right. That's right. right. Yeah. Cause the bullet time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I feel like that would have been a better rule of three though. That's so clever. And it's such an interesting way to kind of like actually really bring the device of it around to something very effective i don't know because yeah, oh, i'm the kind of bummed I didn't in see the that. room yeah 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 well and it, and it makes it 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 makes it so that Peter is not such a dum-dum for not realizing <laughs> that norman is the green goblin like it 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 sort of like makes it so that you know his spider sense is trying to tell him but he can't figure it out which is mm. better to me than like what is actually happening, which is yeah. Norman figures out that he's Spider-Man and just like runs away with that information. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's that animal instinct or insect instinct, I guess. Uh, right. That kind of right. gets taken away. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. That's a cool moment. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to yeah. land on that side of that interaction. I think they should have kept it. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, 
I I like that nobody questions that something has suddenly come to Norma's <laughs> attention uh, after seeing the open wound on on Peter's hand right. on Peter's arm. Because <laughs> nobody once a business jerk, that. always a business jerk. Yeah, yeah. But also the idea that clearly that's the only like new piece of information that has entered the room. There's like no other outward. He didn't get a phone call or like you know check his. I don't know, pager. What do people have in two thousand two? Uh, like he didn't. Beeper, yeah, yeah, it is beeper or whatever. Like none of that happened. He just like looked at Peter's arm, asked him a question about his arm, and then it was like, "I have to go. Something has come up." It's like <laughs> obviously, it's Peter's arm is the thing that has come up. That's that's what's going yeah. on here. Why are you? Well, <laughs> something has come to my attention. Come to my attention. Yeah, that's even yeah. More, more straightforward. Uh, what came to Oof. your attention, Dad? Because when we sat down to have Grace, you were fine. And then we looked at Peter's arm. You had to leave. So what, what's with you and Peter's yeah. arm? Can we talk about that? No. <laughs> just, okay. Do you have like a blood thing that I didn't know about? Yeah. Um, I'm just, I can't eat yeah. in the presence of these things. Um, he does <laughs> do a great dramatic exit, old Willem Dafoe. I, I, I sometimes think overcoats only exist for people to make dramatic exits with. And uh, he really... Oh, they're also for the Highlander to pull swords out of. That's Come right. On. Yes. Oh, oh, true. Of course. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> one of two. One of two main uses for, Indeed. Yeah. for that. But yeah, I like the Mary. just really throwing it on fruitcake shenanigans. Um, <laughs> it's so awkward. This is just, just an awkward minute, you guys. It's awkward mm-hmm. Thanksgiving shenanigans. Nobody gets to. Eat. I love it so much, though. <laughs> I do. Uh, I just love it so much. I love that he says that he can enjoy the fruitcake. <laughs> just like, just a reminder before I leave, I did bring that fruitcake. So yeah, give me credit. You're for that. welcome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did the bare minimum. Good day, sir. <laughs> I brought that thing that no one ever wants to eat. Has uh, anybody voluntarily eaten a fruitcake? Like, like it's always under duress, right? Somebody not yeah, you. not from this, not not from this century no i, I did it on a dare once but i feel like that's a type of duress sure yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah social pressure at least uh, indeed <laughs> one way or another uh, indeed oh god just call fruitcake raisin loaf just call it what it is yeah, raisin right loaf. Oh, yeah it's a raisin loaf as well um, raisin loafs go that's not bad uh <laughs> this <laughs> i don't i can't help it sometimes i'm sorry uh so we have i i like just sort of the um the display of awkward looks that happens around this this table uh, because it's it's such a quick, you know, exit out of this moment to Norman leaving that I just like the bewildered expressions on everybody's faces. I think yeah. they all they all take it in like character appropriate ways where Harry's almost like concerned for his safety. And Peter is just like, what? With his little like eyebrow lift thing that he does. I don't know. I think it's great. It's just <laughs> Big doe-eyed, like, oh, what's uh, what? <laughs> what's going on with you? Uh, and and uh, and of course, Aunt May is just sort of like dismayed that the uh, the the dinner is falling apart. She was so excited for this dinner, and he's taken. Yeah, and, and it's and it's I, what I like about it is that it's it's sort of like it's awkward looks about what are we what what are we gonna do like it's that feeling of like oh this is just like falling apart like this yeah. whole this whole thing you know it's it's like oh this is this is all like rapidly coming to a close uh right you know it's that old it's that old uh anchorman adage this escalated quickly <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh my, oh that my. escalated quickly um it yeah. like 
I, yeah, that, it, it's the distinction is that it's not just we're looking around awkward because something a faux pas occurred. It's we're looking around awkward because the whole evening is ruined. And it's like dawning on us immediately that the whole evening is ruined. Um, it's just awkward. I, I will say as well that, um, you know, Scott, you often point out random lines in this film that stick with you more than they should and just end up in mm-hmm. your regular day to day conversation. I oh, always yeah. have to fight back the uh, urge when I get like a cut or a scrape and somebody's like, what happened to you? M- my first instinct is always to say bike messenger clip me or a uh, bike messenger. <laughs> knock me down like i had last week um i i got like a rope burn on my arm because um a very enthusiastic puppy was running and i went to grab his leash but i didn't have hold of it so it kind of like wrapped around my arm and then just went and burned me and so i had just a less straight line on my arm like that and i was almost excited for somebody to ask me what happened there just so i could pull out the bike messenger clip me line but uh alas they never did that that week nobody cared but it's still there every time i get hurt i'm like ah, bike messenger not <laughs> the secret quote um it's good yeah what other thoughts are there on this i mean should we transition to like the the beginning of the argument outside of the like in front of the elevator or yeah, I mean, maybe more. shut the door, I guess, is my first note, but <laughs> <laughs> shut the door all the way if you're going to have a private conversation with your father. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I guess he didn't know that this is what – I don't know. I it, It's it's a whole weird situation because part of me thinks that uh, he's just – he was like – wanting to leave it open because he was like yeah like i'm gonna i'm gonna show how much of like a you know like a i'm gonna stand up and i'm gonna be like a cool guy person and i'm gonna you know but we have to keep in mind that this is like i said it before and i will say it again this is like (laughs) the babyest franco and there's a more baby-faced franco now and like he had like we're we're talking like freaks and geeks level. Like they put him in the big coat again. They gave him the the hair again. Like there's some muscle memory kicking in there. Called I gotta let Apatow stick a camera through this door, right? Whether we like it or not, just yeah. accept it. Let the beer wash over you. It's fine. It's baby Franco time, guys. It's uh. Yeah. It is baby Franco time. Baby faced Franco. Yeah, well, maybe baby faced Franco is kind of like uh, I I have to be performative in my attempt to stop this you know that it, it's not enough to have the conversation with my dad it's to i gotta make sure they can hear me do it and then that that doesn't work out well for him at all uh no <laughs> so. he does it badly oh buddy oh well and it's yeah. so interesting because a lot of those boys or the boys and girls um you know like this was such a career making film for them mm-hmm. um or just a mm-hmm. franchise for them that you forget how young they were and what they became kind of like as a result uh, of these films and totally. so like yeah, this is one of those films that took Franco, you know, to it took him away from freaks and geeks, even though he was essentially doing a lot of the same thing. Sure. Um, you know, and kind of, yeah, no, and it's great. I mean, like you're throwing him against, you know, Willem Dafoe, you're throwing him against, you know, great, you know, other, you know, actors of his age who he hasn't been doing something with for the same, you know, three, four year time span. It's incredible. Right. It's really his first time out of his box. And oh. so you get a little moment of like him with one of the greats and it's just, oh, it just, regardless of delivery, it's just spine tingling. Because again, we yeah. have the full facial action of Willem Dafoe just in full, full form. Yeah. And so no matter what, you're having a good time. Exactly. I mean, we've mentioned before that I think uh, he, he really elevates his scene partners and uh, I, I Franco, especially because he does have a few of these key scenes with um, uh, Norman, what am I calling him? With Willem Dafoe that uh, I think his level 
rises to the occasion in the in those moments that it's um, agreed yeah Mm -hmm. and and we'll see more of uh good franco in the in the in the next film but uh, moments like these are like oh yeah oh yeah this was the start of movie star version of james franco um even if he's still a bit you know tv's james franco here and it's just the whiplash of this i think like just a a couple hours ago before we sat down to record today i was re-watching the like um the disaster artist promo that they just uh, put out um and (laughs) it's just so funny to see such a clear example of like how far james franco artiste has come uh to like Mm -hmm. then, then to whiplash back to oh yeah just uh light his face I mean, well and uh yeah. you know color his hair james franco yeah uh, it's kind of i fun. mean they still put him in the big coat so there's oh, yeah, only no. so far one can go there's like always that, a big so. coat in the in the cards when you're working with franco i guess uh. <laughs> new rule big coats for franco coats for I, I i feel like um i also feel like i need to point out that norman is literally leaving thanksgiving so he can go and talk to himself in private <laughs> um, equally dark <laughs> yeah it's a little weird right like i've i've got to go I, I i have an important conversation to have with myself with uh, um, yeah, with my my demons my own demons uh, yeah. my demon so... that i actually personified as a helmet <laughs> like, <Yeah>. <laughs> so weird congrats um (laughs) so so melinda uh talk about a little bit um about your sort of i guess your your experience with spider-man as a character just in general um do you remember like your first uh interaction with the character or or anything like that I absolutely remember my first interaction with this character, which is why I was actually really stoked that you guys wanted me to be on this show because uh-huh. it was this movie. Oh, really? Uh, oh, wow. I was That's a nice. DC Comics girl through and friggin' through, like all the way through my my teenage years and all of that. And it's actually really interesting because I've actually written a couple of papers on how like this movie affected like women in geek culture since this was like the first, it was the big one. It was the one that it didn't matter kind of like what side of the court you landed on. You were going to see this movie because it was a superhero movie. Oh my God. Like it was a, it was a superhero movie starring Tobey Maguire, Kirsten Dunst and freaking James Franco. Yeah. I was there. It was, you know, yeah. And kind of with that in mind, I had a very interesting experience kind of like as a result of this franchise that kind of took me away from Spider-Man for a really long time. And it wasn't actually until I worked with Stan Lee, I'd say about, ooh, four or five years ago, Uh uh, he needed needed a booth babe for a charity event. And I was a redhead at the time. And he said, (laughs) hey, can you be Mary Jane? (laughs) And... That's you know, amazing. it kind of brought me back into the fold, but that's what kind of got me back to reading um, eventually Miles, who became my Spider-Man. Ooh, um, yeah, which is crazy. Yeah. I had like a weird late in life kind of awakening to Spider-Man as a result of it because I resisted it for so long, mm-hmm. even though I really loved this movie. And actually, it's what got me back into comic books with Spider-Man. And, and as a result, Miles Morales kind of became my Spider-Man. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, it's really nice. It was kind of like the the first way of really kind of being able to connect to the character. And a lot of that, I think, kind of had to do with the fact that I was connecting outside of this universe that I had come to love through this movie and then immediately learned to hate because of what I was dealing with with the fandom. Sure. Um, yeah. Comics in the 90s and the 2000s were weird. They still are, but blah, uh, here we are. <laughs> um, but Whoa. no, it was it was kind of really, really nice because, yeah, I mean, this was, I mean, this, this was the 
superhero movie. And, you know, how can you ignore that? And yeah. it didn't matter what side of the court you were falling in there, because no matter what, you wanted to go see Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, totally. You know, you wanted to go see Tobey Maguire. You wanted to go see Kirsten Dunst. You wanted to go see James Flippin' Franco and <laughs> freaking Spider-Man. Yeah. I wanted to see a guy swinging from webs in New York City and teaching me about hope and stuff. Yeah. It worked. Mm -hmm. And it and it worked for a lot of different people. I mean, we we've it mentioned it before that it was the crossover appeal. I think was something that hadn't happened on this scale before. I mean, because it was set in second re records, but it was like pretty much everybody from you know most people made it out to see this movie. And we have yeah. talked about it in terms of like oh, a lot of these people were fairly unknown before that. But there is a key demographic for whom at least the three leads were not unknown quantities. And I think that's like young women at the time uh knew of kirsten dunst and knew of toby mcguire and knew of james franco where that that right. whole existed beyond just you know the the marquee of whoever's in the spider-man movie is a star now uh, that for some people we didn't know about toby before this but for a very specific subset of people like yeah i'm, I'm gonna show up for those people and for spider-man and it's it's mm -hmm. an even bigger deal on top of that and I Leonardo DiCaprio's best friend. Leonardo DiCaprio's best friend is Spider-Man. That's a, like an important right. Yeah. That's rad. That's <laughs> yeah. really rad. Yeah. Um, that's amazing. Well, on top of that, you know, it's so interesting because like growing up a DC kid, of course, you know, I had Superman, Batman. I, I had television. I actually had a spot where I could go and I could camp out and I could physically watch the things that I loved. And I can't imagine what this was like for Marvel fans to like, totally. they, they, you know, have always dominated the movie market because they got there first mm -hmm. and, you know, and they got there well. Uh, you know, like, I don't want to, I don't want to denigrate yeah. from the idea of like, they got there first and they got there, you know, really, really well. Um, yeah. You know, DC has always dominated television for all yeah. I know, they always will. But, you know, as long as you're making Spider-Men movies, Spider-People movies, mm -hmm. a various amount of Spider-Movies, uh, you know, you'll always have an audience with Marvel in, in visual cinema. It's interesting. It's very, very interesting. Absolutely. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, because uh, we have had people, you know, talk about their love of like the sort of older, you know, Spidey cartoons or like the, the nineties Spidey cartoon, but there, there really wasn't anything of the like quality level of like the DC animated universe at that time. Yeah. You know, I mean like that, the, you know, um, I'm blanking the pa Paul Dini and, uh, who was the, the artist on that? Um, it'll come to me later, Bruce but like Tim. Bruce, Bruce Tim, Tim. Bruce Tim, yeah. yeah. The Bruce Tim, Paul Dini, uh, production that was, you know, this sort of landscape event that was such so head and shoulders above everything else, uh, you know, cartoon superhero wise at the time that for, for a Marvel fan around the time was like, oh, it'd be cool if I could see Spidey done to that level. And Absolutely. I did it. And then this movie came around. And it was like, oh, OK, we'll just leapfrog into that zone where we change how movies are made great i'm there uh oh yeah no i'm absolutely there well and on the other side of that it adds a legitimacy to um to the genre which yeah. just mm -hmm. didn't exist because the only way that you're looking at this is is goofy men in giant padded you know live action costumes beforehand or right. you're looking at it as a kid's cartoon mm -hmm. you know and suddenly we were able to see an actual you know like with adults i thought it was very important that they took it kind of out of the teenage realm mm -hmm. and made them adults because this wasn't a, a movie for adults you know or for young mm -hmm. adults uh yeah. kind of before that genre really took off the way that it has now and so here we get to see these young adult actors who you know had they been back in their day could have been a hunger games cast you know like yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> it's interesting it really it really feels like spider-man was the first 
like legitimate four quadrant movie. Like it feels like <laughs> the movie that invented that term, you know, like <laughs> I, I'm sure that it was, it was something that was being bounced around a lot in the nineties, but th this movie well, just, <laughs> everybody, everybody saw this. Everybody oh, yeah. saw this. Well, that's what uh, made it the box office uh, success because I think you hit the nail on the head when you when you said you picked a great cast for women, you mm -hmm. got a great you know script for for fans, and you're able to bring in you know a lot more with the directorial element as well. Like you you right. really you're firing in all cylinders with this one, and it really pays off. It's true. And, and, they, that, and they they made it sort of old fashioned and and feel like old Hollywood, and so like even the elderly loved this movie. Like my 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 grandmother went. And saw this that oh that goodness, opening weekend so and oh, she love loved it <laughs> um and it's because it feels like an old hollywood movie on top of everything else so it just it was a movie made for everyone everyone yeah. and really and sweet. they don't make movies like that really they don't and they you know? certainly don't make superhero movies like that anymore either no yeah no it's changed everything and, and at the very least at that point it was it was nice to see the sort of the rising tide lifting all boats. Cause it was like, even if this wasn't your, you know, diehard character, I mean, it is for me, obviously, uh, <laughs> but that, that the idea that, Oh, it's possible. Oh, it's mm -hmm. possible to just adapt the thing. And now we can watch the, the thing in, in theaters. And there's a, there's a market for that. Like that was a very exciting time with, with the sort of the, the back and forth with X-Men the year prior. And then this, it was like, Oh, people will make, they'll spend money on superhero movies. Uh, mm -hmm they'll finance them and then people will will watch them okay now we can do anything it was just like a very exciting like yeah x-men proved that you could x-men proved that you could adapt a comic into a movie yeah correct this proved that you could make a comic make book a movie. comic book movie yeah right yeah because because the first x-men was full of apologies and you know shuffling of feet what are your Whereas this, this was this was you know proudly you know proud bright colors and this was this was two people in ridiculous costumes beating each other up like this was a comic book movie you know it's thrilling yeah yeah yeah. Thrilling is really the right word, too, because, mm -hmm. I mean, it wasn't a genre piece anymore. It wasn't, oh, you're going to see a comic book movie. It was, oh, you're going to see an action movie. And ultimately, oh, you're going to go see a Spider-Man movie. Yeah. There right. will be more, you guys. We got more. It's incredible. That's cool. All right. just, I just get excited all over again. It's, it's Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> to, to this day, I almost wonder, like, if... If 10 years from now, or maybe not even 10 years from now, maybe like five, I don't know, when this is 2002. So let's say, well, okay, let's say, let's say five years from now. So on the 25th anniversary of this movie coming out, mm -hmm. if they just were like, Sony was just like, you know what? We still have the Spider-Man rights. You guys want to make another movie? You just want to make a fourth Spider-Man movie? Ooh, I think that movie, I, I think it would, I think it would shock Sony how massive of a hit that movie would be. I'd be I can't disagree, but yeah. it would have to be like, Ooh, it's so interesting because, you know, almost in the same relation, I also grew up as a huge tick fan. And since they're redoing it now, the thing that they've always done about that series is they've always revamped all the villains and they they've always adapted to whatever superhero genre stuff is doing at the time. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if Spider-Man can adapt with an older Peter Parker or, or like or would you mean like without right. Tobey Maguire? Are we talking no, no, like no, 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 I mean, literally cast. 
bring this whole crew back. Ooh, dirtier. Yeah. I love yeah. it. Ooh. Yeah. I'm on board. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, man. It's like a Frank Miller Spider-Man that I don't want Frank Miller to write. Right, exactly. Yeah, it would be like the uh, Dark Knight Returns, but 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 not not that. Not that effect, but not that tone. Exactly. Yeah, the yeah. idea of that. Oh, man, it's just Peter sitting in a garage full of webbing for years, just <laughs> sulking to himself, talking to a helmet, maybe. Who knows? I shouldn't write that movie. Anyway. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, so. I, they they landed really strongly in people's hearts. And, uh, they you know, I, I think people would respond to that. Um, at least at least opening weekend, like just curiosity's sake, I think they'd they'd make their budget back opening weekend. Most. Of oh, them. yeah. Everybody oh, was sure. like, they're doing what? I have to see that. What? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think that's all we got for uh, for minute 89. We went a little off the rails, but that's OK. That's always um, fun. <laughs> we yeah. have a lot of film history. That's kind of fun. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Or not. Uh, <laughs> we'll so, never invite so, me back. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> so, Melinda, what, what, do you, what do you got to plug? What are you up to? Oh, my goodness. What am I up to? Well, I know that we just finished up uh, our very last episode of 1986 cast, me and Michael Nixon, um, oh, wow. which makes me sad. Past guest of the show. I yeah. know, I know. But at the same time, we're also very excited because come October, we're going to be launching Having a Friend for Dinner, which is our Ooh. new Hannibal-themed podcast. <laughs> yes. Um, Michael awesome. has not been familiar with horror his entire life. I have been familiar with horror my entire life. Oh, um, and I, I guess technically I have a certificate floating around. I feel like because I had to print it out, it's not real, but technically it is. Um, I'm a Thomas <laughs> Harris scholar, according to some circles. And so, oh, okay. yeah, so that'll be really fun. We're going to be dissecting everything from Manhunter <laughs> to Hannibal Rising and everything in between. That includes that the series. So. Awesome. Awesome. That's great. It's really I'm, exciting. <laughs> I I can I'll y- your your show will finally get me to watch Hannibal Rising because I haven't been able to bring <laughs> myself to do it. Um, it is like oh, man, well here's the thing, like if you like Spider-Man 2, you're not going to hate Hannibal Rising, so <laughs> let's just leave it at that. Okay. <laughs> You want a fair weird enough. crossover, <laughs> boy do I have one. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, awesome. well, very cool. Um, and of course, uh, of course, uh, that your Hannibal podcast is going to be a dueling genre show. So yeah, uh, that's where people will be able to find it in October, along with, of course, you know, your iTunes and Google Play iTunes. It sounds stuff. like SoundCloud is having a thing right now. So we're going to let it work itself out. Um, yeah, <laughs> you can either find me on any of those. Or, of course, there is the web series that I was a part of, Drunk Hawkman. I helped yes. write, produce, and also played a role in because I'm oh, a masochist. Oh, a yeah. role? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I played uh, Shy or High yeah. Hawk Girl, as some yes. know her. Um, I was so busy doing other things, I forget sometimes that I was an actor in that <laughs> <laughs> uh, such a good web series if you guys haven't well, checked you. out john cockman uh, definitely yeah, yeah really definitely is. go check it out and especially if you're a dc fan and and you know uh, a lot of that dc canon it yeah. is such a fun show to watch because they make some super deep cut references <laughs> and they're just, 
they just throw them away like they're like they're like it's an episode of Gilmore Girls. They just Amazing. throw the references yeah. out and just if you get it, it's awesome. And if you don't, it, you you just you just a new one on the way. It's great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, thank you guys. I'm glad. That, I'm glad that somebody else is like, oh, okay, cool. No, we get those nerdy references too because I was like, no, I'm just digging myself a hole that I will never be able to get out of now. Write the show um, for so you. Yay, and, and other people, people get it. Yeah. Oh, exciting. So well, thank you guys. Thank you for having me on. Of course. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow with uh, Minute 90. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.